Welcome to the Practical Missions Podcast. I'm your host. How do we keep our people healthy on the field? I think this is a question every leader is asking and probably every actual cross-cultural worker is also asking, how do I stay healthy? How do I stay sane? Or maybe the question is, like, I'm not healthy. I don't feel healthy right now. What do I do? Well, today on the pod, we're going to be talking about all things related to people care and member care. I have with me a woman who's not only done member care for decades and decades, but she's also been on the field in hard places doing people care and member care. I think you're really going to benefit from this conversation. Send this episode to your people care people on your field. I think they're really going to benefit from it. When I think about you, I think about my early, early days of being in the Middle East. I was in a kind of isolated city in a place with very little contact to other cross-cultural workers. And you came up and visited. Do you remember that? I remember it well. I believe I brought chocolate. (laughs) I think you did. We met in a hotel lobby. Maybe that sounds really bad. I remember I was struggling with the fact that my roommates who had come to the field maybe half a year after me were getting better at Arabic faster than me. And I remember exactly what you said to me. You said your job, I was the team leader. You said part of your job is that the people on your team have everything they need to succeed and do well. You know, like if they get better than you at Arabic, you can look at that as a positive, as a positive, not a negative. It's not a competition. You're actually there to facilitate their learning. I thought that was such a good perspective. Do you remember that conversation at all? I remember the conversation and I am awed that uh, you remember it. And actually it is awesome to know that it was helpful. Yeah, and I still think about it, you know, I still I think the principle of helping other people succeed, even if it means they're getting better than you. I think that's, that's a principle that stuck with me. They'll probably stick with me forever. So thank you for that. You are very welcome. You have been doing people care for a long time. How long have you been in missions in general? Maybe 35 years. And you spent a good number of that time in the Middle East, huh? Yes, I did. Yeah, maybe 25 years. Yeah, that's amazing. I remember when I was fresh, you were part of the, you know, you were part of the long-termers, you know? So, wow. I admire you. In my, in my mind, you have so much more experience than I ever will. So I'm happy to have this conversation with, with you today. I've actually never sat down with anybody on the on the pod and talked just about people care stuff. And I think we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about that. So I'm really excited just to kind of pick your brain a little bit. You are very good at what you do. And I mean, you are professional psychologist. I don't know what your what your, pedi- what your pedigree is there. A licensed professional counselor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think most people care people aren't probably just lay lay people trying to facilitate people care so i'm wondering like first like what is people care and why does it matter in missions in cross-cultural missions the example that you started with actually already puts it well to help people thrive to facilitate people doing well on the field in their ministries and personally and spiritually and that is the heart of people care. And it so reflects, I believe, who God is. God says of himself that he's a shepherd. And so people care wants to reflect that, 
that people feel cared for and that that allows them to thrive. And that matters because it takes a long time for people to actually get to the field. A lot of preparation that goes into that. Finances, prayer, hopes, dreams, vision. And then it makes no sense to send people off and to send people to difficult places and then to leave them on their own. Maybe give them some tools. Okay, here's, you know, your language tools and these are your roommates and your team. And now you go and succeed, be well and prosper. And I believe that it takes a little bit more than that. And that being alongside people in that process really helps. And as, as issues come up, to have a safe place to process them. And also to notice what is going well and why is it going well and how can we support that? And I think that is the heart of people care. I'm just wondering, as you were saying those things, how much of people care is proactive from the side of people care? And how, how, much, of is it, how much is it people on the field uh, seeking people cares counsel or advice or help? Thanks for the question. I would say that as a people care provider, I would always want to reach out. Sometimes people in the field are hesitant. They're not sure. Is this actually an issue that I should discuss with someone? Very often they wait until a small thing has become a huge thing. And then they reach out. And so I want to be sure that people know I am available. And so I try to reach out. And people in the field are adults. And people are well able also to reach out themselves. Some people have amazing resources already at their disposal. They may be connected to a coach or to a mentor, or the team may be going really well and they have a lot of support in the team. In which case, people care can just stand back and say, wow, look at that. Well done. So it's really both, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think there's often the idea of like, if it's offered to me, I'll use it. But if it's not offered, I'm not going to look for it either. Do you, do you find that to be the case? I find that to be the case with myself a lot of times. When people care, for example, say, hey, would you like to meet up? I always say yes. Possibly that is because you're a people person and you enjoy hanging out with people. <laughs> That's right. But um, <laughs> you may have a point. It is, it is much easier to be invited and to say yes to an invitation. Mm. I'm also thinking about different cultures. And culturally, some people would find it very difficult to reach out on their own, especially if it's a person they don't know yet and haven't been introduced to. And so, again, for the people care provider to reach out may open the doors there. And for other people... They are quite happy to initiate. I'm thinking of one lady. She's been through several uh, very unusual and quite traumatizing events in the field. And every time she wrote or called to say, can we talk? And I love that. I don't have to guess at how things are going, but I know she will contact me when she needs the support. And then I can fade into the background again. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's I think having people available for those times is super important. Um, and maybe we can talk a little bit more of, about that in a minute. But I, I am curious to know, like, since you've had this bird's eye view of people care over a long period of time, several decades, and you're kind of over, uh, you're kind of more overseeing more stuff now than you were, I guess, back when you were living on the field, uh, which maybe gives you even a bigger lens into what's going on in the world of people care and missions. I'm just wondering, like, how how much has people care changed over the years? What did it look like 30 years ago when you first came out? When I first came to the Middle East, there really was no formal people care. There was always the attempt, I think, on the teams to care for each other and for the leaders to care for their teammates. And when something happened that needed more care, generally people would go to their home countries and receive help there. When I came out, um, there were some meetings um, regionally where a people care network at the time called Member Care Network was established. And that was very significant because suddenly there was a sense of community. We're not alone as we care for people and as we seek to focus on that care but there is a network and there are resources and people with different skills or areas of expertise that i can call on and that has very much developed over these past years and more and more agencies have become part of that network and i love that because we cannot do people care alone and in isolation but i believe that as different organizations the church followers of Jesus, we all do it together. Mm. And that has grown. And the idea that people care is helpful and that it can have preventative character. So it's not only something you use when there is a problem or when there's been a crisis, but you use it all along in preparation, in the onboarding process, and as people leave, help them leave well and move on well, be there in transitions. And so actually people care wants to prevent problems. And the larger the network of care, the better we can do that. And so that has very much grown from really very little and individuals here or there to a well-established network. Do you, do you think people care has developed in its tools and in its professionalism? In missions? Yes, I think it has. Uh, there are, of course, the traditional specialists, psychologists, counselors that play their part in people care. There are now member care specialists. So that is what they do. They just think member care. And then, of course, there are also people that are more in spiritual formation because that is an important part mm. of people care also, isn't it? Yeah. Or educational specialists or, yeah, all of that. So maybe that mix of professionals that can be drawn in as needed and then some people that are like the spider in the web, keeping that bird's eye view, looking at what's needed where, having the resources at their fingertips. Yeah, it's that mix, hmm. I think. 
Do you think, as you've been doing people care for a long time, are there specific issues that are reoccurring that keep coming up over and over in in missions? Yes, there are. Um, I'm just reminded of a, a research study that was done and kind of looked into why people leave the field early. And interestingly, um, in one study, the sense was uh, there is no care hmm. from the agency. And then in another study, a, a little bit older, the primary response was that it's problems with within the team, with colleagues. And so that, I think, is an ongoing challenge for us that we want to work in teams. How do we do that well, especially intercultural teams, where there is a team conflict or even just a misunderstanding, different expectations, and that can cause a huge amount of stress. There is the topic of burnout. Hmm. I just spoke with a team leader this week and uh, the expectations of the team and just that sense of everything is expected of me and I feel trapped in this role Hmm. that very much contributes um, to a sense of burnout. And um, I think that is maybe a common experience. Some people believe they are moving through burnout, but actually if they're working with say refugees or people where there is a great need all the time, they may actually be suffering from compassion fatigue Mm. or secondary traumatization. And so it's always important to look at what is actually happening so that we can find the roots of the problems and address those, right? Mm. So burnout and related issues. And then, of course, there's always depression and anxiety. And some of that, I believe, is normal, that as we go through life, there are times when um, maybe we sustain losses. Again, the same team leader, um, they'd been trying to become pregnant and then they had a miscarriage. Hmm. And they started out in a new team and were in the whole process of setting that up. There were financial problems. And so all of that came together and so eventually this leader started feeling rather depressed and anxious. And so then it's important to look at what you need to move towards feeling like your normal self again. So depression, anxiety, and then increasingly with the internet, making everything available to us, uh, all kinds of addictions can flourish and we may not even notice that we're moving towards an addiction. You know, maybe I love watching TV shows and find myself not being able to stop after one or two episodes. And especially when life is difficult and I feel stressed. Internet porn, it's there right at my fingertips. And especially when I live in a situation that is quite unstructured. Um, Internet gaming, just spending so much time that you lose touch with reality in your internet gaming world or even gambling. So these kinds of things, I believe, are increasing and we need to provide more support 
even before people move into some of these very unstructured and very stressful situations. Okay, that was a very long speech. <laughs> yeah, but I loved it, actually. I think it's really, I think everything you said there is really important. And I'm just wondering, I actually have, I wanted to talk later on about distractions, the distracted life of the cross-cultural worker. I think it's just like life everywhere is being is becoming more distracted and that of course flows into cross-cultural work as well and that was one of the that was one of the things i wanted to talk to you about was this the reality of youtube instagram whatsapp twitter facebook tiktok net netflix internet gaming like all these things podcasts i'm a, i'm not a gamer but i'm a i love audio you know i could listen to an audiobook all day long or podcasts all day long and what, like, how do we deal with some of these things? How should we address the ease of sliding into a distracted life or, or addiction? How do we deal with that as teams? How do we deal with that as fields or member care? It seems like it's going to be a very tricky response, maybe. What, what do you say? What do you think? <laughs> It definitely is not enough to say, don't do it. <laughs> yes. Read your book instead or, you know, study your Bible and pray. Mm. That is not enough. Uh, we want to do that anyway. And something pulls us away from that into the distractions that you mentioned. And so I believe important is community. We do need community where uh, some people or at least one person that we can be open with, that we can talk to about struggles that we have, uh, about times in life when we want to withdraw from reality and just venture into imagination. And let me say here that some things are actually, and some internet things, are better for you than others. Mm. I believe audiobooks still um, keep your brain active. You have to use your imagination it is not a passive looking at pictures. Everything is provided for you. And then, you know, after the movie, you're stuck with the pictures. And some of them may actually not be fun to keep around. Mm. But now they're there in your mind. With an audio book, your, your brain has much more control of that. And it's, it has to work. And so I keep going for that audiobooks it's really great <laughs> especially for people that may not enjoy reading or may find that difficult audiobooks are a great way to go um okay <laughs> now i've distracted myself what was oh yes distractions yes and that is what happens there is the myth of multitasking mm. that we can do all kinds of things at the same time we cannot we actually switch back and forth at rapid speed between a WhatsApp message and a podcast and an Instagram picture, and we're constantly interrupted. And to, to maybe impose a better rhythm of internet, shall we say, companionship, uh, might be helpful to not always sit next to your cell phone, to not always have it on, to only check at certain times. And I know I am someone that needs to be available to people. And so I have my phone next to me also. But to find a way to somehow regulate that constant flow of distraction. Mm. 
And you can get quite addicted to that connection to the outside world. When I came to the field, there was actually no internet. In <laughs> That's right, yeah. There was no internet. That is how old I am. So I had to write letters. I could talk to my family once a week on a landline telephone. <laughs> yeah. That was challenging on the one hand, I missed people, but then also I needed to bond with the people around me to be able to live and to have community. Other people in language school, my neighbors hang out at their house, and that helped me move into the culture. I believe today it is much harder to balance the expectations of people at home that want to stay connected and expect you to respond right away to their Facebook post, mm. or they will be really hurt. And then people maybe in your field of service, they will also expect you to respond right away. And suddenly your community is huge. Some people enjoy that, but for other people, it becomes very overwhelming. And so managing community well, it may sound weird, but that is important. And then you had talked about distractions and... That is important to look at. Why, why do I need, what do I need to be distracted from? Can I, can I interject there just for a moment? Yes. I think the distraction part can be just the reality that the dopamine hit I'm getting from another YouTube video, another TikTok uh, video, another Instagram reel is just far better than anything I'm getting in real life. You know, that that cocaine of dopamine mm -hmm. that my brain is getting. Maybe it's just the fact that that real life, this distraction, real life can't compete with it. I see this, I see this in myself, but I also see this in, uh, I work with Arabs, I also see this with Arabs that, that, I, that I'm with. Human interaction is less rewarding than sitting on your screen watching dopamine in one sense. In another sense, of course, it leads to you absolutely hate your life and you're miserable. But in the moment, scrolling to the next video, scrolling to the next video, scrolling to the next video, that distraction is just like the, the, the dopamine, the entertainment dopamine mm. is stronger than whatever else is going on in the world. Yes. And... You actually put it well, you, you know, you may hate your life, but the thing is you don't notice because you're always feeling quite satisfied as you watch, you know, the things that you mentioned, yet another video, another TikTok little um, thing. So, yes. But maybe that's part of the reason why distraction is happening, just because it's mm -hmm. It's it has a competitive advantage on everything else. Yes, and you're not being challenged and you're not failing someone's expectations mm. because you're, you know, you're not perfect, you may mess up, you may need to make an effort. You don't have to do any of that when you're not in reality. I like this idea of having a rationed approach maybe to your technology having specific maybe times you know maybe like i'll give myself one and a half hours a day i can break that up how i wish but i'm not going to use it more than that or something like that having these kind of 
edges that will help me not overuse technology in a way that is, you know, just wasting my life. Yes. And if we were not in a podcast, but in a conversation over a cup of coffee, I would probably ask you, so, you know, in your years of being out there and of managing this, what have you discovered and what has been helpful to you? However, it is your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to meet for a cup of coffee some other time. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any other thoughts on uh, distraction and how we can maybe be healthier people when it comes to that? I feel like I cut you off midway. Maybe, Maybe you didn't quite get to like a remedy or I don't know, a diagnostic questions we can ask ourselves to know what's going on behind the scenes. Yes, diagnostic questions, be looking for stress, be looking for dissatisfaction, sense of failure, disappointment. Um, How are you doing with God? And then also, what is your community with actual people like? Mm. Is there someone you can be vulnerable with? Is there someone that you're having fun with? And here, my hobby horse, actually, do you have a good hobby? Do you have something that is refreshing to you? that takes you away from reality for a little bit, but that requires your engagement. Mm. Some people I know do jigsaw puzzles. Other people learn an instrument. Uh, I don't know if where you are, you can go for hikes or for walks or play golf or, you know, whatever it is. And I find it challenging. I'm still looking for a really good hobby. Mm. I'm surrounded by potted plants, so maybe that is a hobby. Just, you know, seeing plants thrive. Maybe you could start with one plant. But um, to actually find a good hobby so that you don't need these passive distractions as much, but have something that actively engages you. Mm. I think this is super important. I, I wanted to ask you about hobbies because I think in, in rest, I think in ministry, there's no end There is no sense of completion. There's no sense of job well done. Uh, Ministry is always an ongoing and never ends because you're you're dealing with people, you know, And, and and that's okay. But I think having a hobby is so important. I I think having a hobby that has a beginning, a middle, and an end Mm. is is very important. I I actually downloaded some. editing software like video editing software and from time to time if i do something like exciting i'll I'll take my camera and i'll record it and then just for the fun of it i'll spend an hour or two on my day off editing the video because i have this sense of completion at the end of it you know boom i'm done i just made something i did something and i can even send it to somebody if i want to what do you think the role of hobby should be or something like that you know in the life of the Uh, cross-cultural worker especially maybe even in hard places when you said just for the fun of it i think that describes it not something that you have to do or something that's expected of you but something that you do just for the fun of it and of course if you set me down with um editing software you know shoot me now thank you (laughs) that would like totally exhaust me however It is something you enjoy and it is life-giving to you and it's different from ministry, beginning and end. Mm. I actually uh, started running marathons. I remember that, yeah. Yes, because exactly that is what was so appealing. It was a specific project. You did your training, 
you ran the marathon, and then you could, you know, be happy you did it and think about when do I want to run my next one. But exactly that, a finished project, and especially when you work with people, whether it's discipleship or mentoring or people care, it's always an ongoing project, isn't it? Work in progress. Hmm. And so, yes, I love that idea of having something that's a specific project. And some people don't mind if the project is longer. Hmm. I remember one lady who did these intricate embroidery things and it's like wow it to me it took forever but she loved the process of it and then having a finished um, project someone uh, mentioned to me this week in a conversation how people uh, here in europe where i'm currently living are very attracted to the more eastern type religions that are about you know finding a distance from life and that sense of rest and, you know, Zen kind of just disengaging, feeling that inner peace and rest, very appealing mm. in this high stress, high pace environment. And uh, as I listened to that, I was thinking, you know what? Actually, we had it first. It was God's idea to not just put work into life, but actually even in creation, he created Sabbath. Hmm. That was part of creation. Sabbath, rest, being refreshed, stopping work, being refreshed, whether that be in worship or in community, in doing something other than work, but Sabbath rest. And I believe that we need to figure out a rhythm that includes Sabbath rest. And it's challenging. I know it's challenging, but it is so worth it. And as a team, could we not support each other in that and actually ask, so how are you doing with that? And how can I help? Hmm. I remember two ladies that were living together. And when the one lady had her day of rest, the other would open the door to visitors so that she didn't actually have to be present. And that worked for them. This may not work for everyone, but to be creative and look for ways to have a good rhythm of work and of rest. And we talk about sustainability, and that is what will sustain you. Yeah, I think these words are so important and this this idea of like the, the healthy rhythms of work and rest, this is a big uh, topic for me because I struggle with rest. I struggle. I tell myself a lot of lies, you know, some of the lies are my biggest lies. I'll do it next. I'll do it next week. You know, next week for sure. I'll get that time. Uh, I'll get that time <laughs> off. And of course, next week never comes. But I think there are there are some interesting factors. I live in a a city of four or five million people where there is no nature, there are no walking paths or bike trails. I don't have a car, you know, so it's it's very hard for me yes. to get out of the city. I'm a single guy and I live with Arabs and Arabs don't rest the same way that foreigner that Westerners do <laughs> at all. So I find it's it's actually hard. How do I what do I do? You know? Sitting in my house, of course, I could do that, but I'm going to end up watching TV or something, you know. I'm going to be, 
end up on on YouTube or doing just nonsense stuff that doesn't actually refresh you. It steals more from you in the end than it actually refreshes you. And I think for married people, it's the same thing in the sense of, or married people with children maybe, where it's hard. Like you've got kids and it's it can be more, it can take more energy to do something for your rest than to just stay at home. Yeah. What, what, what do you think about that? Are these issues, that I, I, I think I deal with them. I, I know other people deal with them. I'm sure you've interacted with people who struggle in these areas. Do you have any tricks, tips or tricks <laughs> for people struggling with taking a Sabbath or with taking rest? It starts with the conviction that it's important and that it is part of God's calling for you to also have times of rest and that you need those to be replenished and re-energized. So it starts with the conviction, and then you are so right. It is really hard in some places to find good ways to truly rest, and we need to help each other. If it's a family, you know, could someone else take the kids for even half a day so they could hear themselves think or have a special meal together without the kids? And yes, for singles, very often we need someone else to do stuff with. It's funner doing it together. It may be, uh, you know, as you describe your situation, that going away regularly, so maybe not doing a weekend, that actually is still important to find these short times of rest, but then to have longer times maybe away somewhere where you can do some of the things you cannot usually do. And then maybe also to be creative and figure out, so what what is possible? Could I buy a sheep and start <laughs> learning about raising sheep? Or a friend of mine bought a, a book, Birds of the Middle East, and started looking for birds and naming them. And uh, it really isn't easy. But then if, if God calls us to do something, uh, I, I imagine he will also help us find ways of doing it. And you are so right. Sometimes we default to, well, um, it's too hard. I cannot make it happen in my situation or I'll just stay home and watch TV mm. because that I can always do. And that they actually did studies on this and sitting in front of the television it increases your passivity. So you will be more tired mm, yeah. afterwards than energized. So maybe a call to creativity and mm. figuring out together with others, how can we help each other? Some of the single women have figured out that, you know, let's just go for a couple of days to a hotel mm. by the beach. We can do that together. It's fine. Or I don't know. And some people don't have the money to do that. So can we help make that happen? Hmm. But so to be to be creative and really help each other with this and make it a community project. You know, it's not just my personal thing. But if I'm on your team, I want to care that you find ways to rest well. I love that. And I think you know, possibly fields and teams may even have budgets that we don't know about to help people who can't afford it and need to take some rest. I have a question about uh, do's and don'ts 
for taking vacations or holidays. Okay, yeah. What what in your opinion are some do's and don'ts? When you're thinking about uh, the family or the individual cross cultural worker, maybe they live in a hard place. Uh, what would be some do's and don'ts? You would say for them when it comes to taking vacation and uh, is a conference, does that count as a, as a vacation? What about home assignment? How do we understand these things like a train or a conference or home assignment when we think about rest and vacations? <laughs> Your question makes me laugh because I remember several retreats that I think both you and I were on. And actually, there was nothing retreatful <laughs> about them. It really was a conference packed with program from beginning to end. <laughs> and when you left, you were exhausted. That is work. Mm. That is work. On the other hand, some people thrive on learning. It refreshes them. They thrive on community. It refreshes them. So a weekend of conference may very well be restful. They may still need to have alone time. I think that is important. Otherwise, you lose touch with yourself and you don't know anymore what's going on within yourself. Some people, as they express that to another person, hear themselves think out loud and then they know what's going on inside them. So that is also true. So conferences may be refreshing and restful for some people and not at all for others. So you must know yourself and you cannot go with what the other person finds restful and restorative. Home assignment. Yes, there still are those lovely elderly ladies that have been praying for me for years and I'm on home assignment and they come up and say, oh, it's so nice that you're on vacation. And I'm thinking, yeah, not so much because I am working very hard, visiting people, doing presentations, preaching, sharing, whatever it is that we're doing on home assignment. However, I appreciate, you know, her sweetness in asking and in noticing me. And so I smile. And I will make sure that as part of my home assignment, I also schedule a vacation. Hmm. Some people find it helpful to do that before they even get to where they will be for the home assignment. Just take two weeks en route. Hmm. Other people do it in the middle or whatever, but that is important. Home assignment is work. It's very hard work and often different from your normal ministry. And so you have to work extra hard and um, be aware of what is work and then what actually for you is restful. And a lot of it is scheduling, scheduling well, mm. being very practical mm. and using the resources. One of the things a people care provider has is a resource list. And on this resource list, there will be retreat places, mm. maybe uh, vacation homes that actually may even be free of charge hmm. for missionaries. And so connect with your people care folks and check with them what is available. Wow, I think that's very good advice. And I think this idea of rest, maybe maybe the lie 
we can tell ourselves or believe is that because it's rest, I shouldn't have to organize it or plan it. Mm. But we probably rest best when our rest has been planned and organized. I could not say it better. I would love to go back just for a moment to uh, people care. This is a bit of a jump here. We're making a bit of a hard left turn. You have the 30 years experience and you have the degrees. I, I suppose most people uh, on the ground doing the people care don't uh, have all that. Do you have any good practices for people, for, for those people care people who maybe feel a bit underqualified? Do you have any good diagnostic diagnostic questions uh, of how people care people can can find out how you're really doing? I'm not sure that any one diagnostic question will do the trick. As you know people over time and as you listen, as you listen well, you know, this is their life, their ministry, um, this makes them happy, this stresses them, you will notice a shift when that changes. Mm. And that is important to notice. Oh, you know, the person doesn't sound very happy. They've been they've been sounding cynical mm. or really talk a lot about their team leader and seem to be quite upset somehow. So to notice, to really be a listener and to notice shifts. And maybe that is a question that might be useful to actually ask the person you're talking to. You know, if you look at yourself six months ago, what has changed, what has shifted? Mm. And of course, just checking in. So when you wake up in the morning, are you happy to wake up? What are your thoughts as you consider the day? You know, some people actually dread waking, uh, waking up and considering their schedule. What gives you joy? And when the joy is no longer there, right? We, we talk about the joy. Actually, not we, but the Bible talks about the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hmm. And so when that disappears, a foundation of our life has disappeared. And it is important to talk about spiritual life, I believe, to not take it for granted, but to check in. What gives you pleasure in your relationship with God? How do you most intimately connect with God? Or maybe that isn't happening any longer. And then let's look at how that started and you know what needs to happen now. Maybe connect to a spiritual director or something. Again, back to the resource list. So maybe listening well and staying in contact with people. And that's the advantage of doing something longer term that you do notice those shifts. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. A few years ago, I was at a conference, I was speaking at a conference, and the people care person for my sending country was there. I remember we were sitting in the lobby, just on some chairs, and he asked me how I was doing, and I felt like he meant the question. Mm, yes. I felt... Even though I don't think he asked me anything super in-depth, I felt like he was listening to me. Mm -hmm. And I remember just thinking, wow, this feels so good to be listened to. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a beautiful thing, just to listen well to what the people are saying. And I think we 
I think we we feel it, you know. We feel somebody's paying attention and listening to me. And I think there's also when we recognize that somebody is actually paying attention and listening to us, I think we, we we almost have this freedom of like, oh, I want to tell you everything. I want to be real with you, you know. I want to be I want to be honest with you. And what you're describing is is offering your presence. You know, you you're describing more there's just something in that person's attitude. They're settling into their chair. Mm. They're not on their way somewhere, but they're settling into their chair or, you know, maybe they're standing, but you notice you have their attention. And that makes a difference. So the, the, the gift of presence and being available and somehow conveying, I have time, you have my attention, mm. and I really want to know. Wow. That summarized what you just said. So, you know, the wow goes to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's beautiful. You know, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, in the episode, that cross-cultural workers are often expected to be doing a lot. Uh, sometimes I think, you know, we're expected to be entrepreneurs and great communicators mm. and great disciples and pastors and teachers and all these things. Like we're expected to be doing everything business people, whatever else, sometimes maybe it's just good to be able to stop all that, to slow down. Instead of doing, have somebody, you know, listen, uh, yeah. listen to us instead. I think that's uh, so powerful. On that topic, uh, my last question for you is about limits. We all have limits, don't we? I think we forget this. And I think a lot of times strategy uh, that our organization gives us maybe doesn't consider human limitation we believe of course that god can do everything and he uses us and we thank god for that and the beautiful thing is that everybody that i know of has some fruit in their ministry i serve in a very hard place the ground is hard the soil is hard and yet god is actually using us uh, in the lives of people he's actually saving people people actually coming to faith and growing in their faith etc etc but in, except for in extremely rare cases, most people, 99% of people, don't see the kinds of fruit they want to see, right? Uh, they don't see multiple generations of reproducing Jesus followers. <laughs> they don't see churches planted. I think even our organization estimates that 75% of church planting teams won't see churches planted. And so there is this reality of limits maybe the pressure of having no limits and i know i know one lady for example she said you know i she went to a an unreached a very unreached city and she said i'm going to be here until we see four generations of house churches planted so i plant a church that plant church plants a church that plants that church plants a church and that church plants a church and that's kind of the definition of a movement which is what we've kind of been tasked to do a lot of times, start movements, church planting movements. She said kind of like statistically, this is going to take, you know, eight years. And so she committed to that and is a very good person. And But, but the reality is she ended up burning out and moving back to the West. I just want to, how do we deal with, how do we deal with this on the field? How do we deal with what we've been tasked to do and with the reality of our own limits? Yeah. The question makes a lot of sense. How do we walk well with the reality of us being human, having limits, 
the reality of Holy Spirit living in us. And so there is that divine dynamis, that divine power there also present. And then the calling and the expectations that we may perceive from God, but also that we may perceive from people around us, leaders, the organization. And how do we find our way in this without finding ourselves burning out or becoming disillusioned and maybe leaving feeling like we have totally failed, Mm. not just the organization, but also God. Mm. And that is tragic, isn't it? Yeah. It's not like it surprises God that we are human and with that come limitations. Sleep would be a limitation. Mm. It annoys me that I need sleep. (laughs) Just think of all I could do if I didn't need to sleep. However, as I sleep, my brain sorts itself out. It organizes the experiences of the day. So a lot of good stuff happens. And there are physical limitations. People are really suffering with the heat, Hmm. you know, in, in some places or whatever it is. Things that may limit what we're able to do. And to come to terms with that and to not compare ourselves with, well, actually, my teammate can do all of this. And as I look at myself, I Mm. just feel so much less than they. Mm. And I am different. And God created me to be different. And that is okay. And the people we reach out to, they are human also. And so they need to know what do we do with our limitations. And so we model it as we learn to walk well with that. And uh, yes, it's uh, we I, again, I think community is so helpful. When we find others accept that, they don't blame us that we may need a day of silent retreat and they may not, or when we cannot do a certain thing. So that is the limitations. And then there are, I think, the hopes. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Mm. That is really true. We, we are expectant. We pray. We look to God to do amazing things. And then they don't quite happen yet. Or a little group of followers of Jesus, you know, comes together. And then one person gets annoyed with the other. There will be a big offense and they all walk away again. Mm. It can be really disheartening. And I believe we need to be anchored in Christ and keep our eyes on him and not on the, the success of our ministry. And that is that daily being connected to the vine. And only then can we handle disappointment. It is very disappointing. And we are supposed to feel that. Mm. And we can express it. And God can fill our hearts with new hope. So, yeah, that would be maybe part of the answer dealing well with disappointment, keeping our eyes on Jesus. And that is, again, why community is so helpful. Hmm. And where, where I have a sense that the others are judging me or are looking down on me, then that will just make things much, much worse. Hmm. And I will not have a safe place where I can express my failures. Hmm. I had wanted to add another thing. That is a a, a painful reality for people in intercultural ministries. There's a lot of transition. Yeah. And with transition comes loss. There is loss when we leave to go somewhere. And then there is sometimes even greater loss 
when those we work with leave. Absolutely. And there's that big hole. And so to deal well with transition, I believe, is also important. So doing well with pain, being being not okay with, but acknowledging that pain is part of life and it is part of ministry and that Jesus will meet us in the pain and that he he wants to place community around us to help carry our pain and then also to have fun together to 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 keep a sense of humor hmm. where you find things to laugh about and to be able to laugh at yourself one of the people i most admire who was you know in ministry for like 60 some years uh, that is something he said, you know, you must be able to keep laughing at yourself, at your mistakes, mm. at um, eccentricities, whatever it is. And I, yeah, I remember that and find it helpful. I love that. Keep your eyes on Jesus, stay in community and keep laughing. Wow. Amen. What beautiful nice words. There. What beautiful words. Hey, I have thoroughly enjoyed our time together. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciated your thoughtful questions and having a chance to talk about some of these things that I feel are so important hmm. and that I think are really important to God also. So thanks for giving me the opportunity. Amen to that wow i absolutely loved this conversation and i hope you found it beneficial as well i hope you found it comforting i found it comforting well as we close this episode i want to remind you that it's okay to be normal 